What up, Long Beach? Hope you and yours are happy and healthy. We've got some breaking news, so we're back for another episode of the LBF Show. As always, this bi-weekly conversation about Long Beach State Athletics is hosted by the 562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, and my co-host, Mike Garabasio. We are coming to you via the internet, so Mike is Skyping in from his house in East Long Beach. I am at my place in Belmont Shore, and the one and the only Long Beach State Athletics Director Andy Fee is on campus uh, with some sparse staff around him. Andy, two weeks after promising eligibility relief for the season loss of COVID-19 closures, the NCAA Division I Council voted on Monday to allow schools, that's very important, to allow schools to provide spring sports student-athletes an additional season of competition. This is something we anticipated. Uh, it's kind of got a feel-good vibe to it. The NCAA making sure that these seniors who lost their season don't have that as the last memory of their college sporting experience. But Andy, your initial thoughts to the release that the Division One Council put out on Monday. Well, my heart feels good and happy for student-athletes, but the athletic director and and finance guy inside of me is a little nervous and uh, wondering how we're going to do this uh, because um, a quick breaking news kind of summation of where we might be if if all of our seniors came back um, next year, uh, it's probably around $300,000 that we would be additionally responsible for. If we awarded whatever they were getting last year or this, this current fiscal year, next fiscal year, it would be an additional 300000 And uh, I'll be honest, we, we, we don't have $300,000 just sitting off to the side here waiting to be used. So that's where I think uh, for myself, my staff, and, and, and most of our colleagues, at least in the mid-major world, uh, we're all scratching our head going, okay, how do we figure this one out? Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction in seeing it was, you know, I mean, I I think usually when there's new stuff from the NCAA, we've talked about this on this podcast before, um, you can feel like there's uh, a widening gap between the Power Five programs and the mid-majors, you know what I mean? To to where to me, and I've said this on the show, it almost feels like it's sort of two separate worlds for them. And yeah, we mentioned it, you know, like there's schools out there that'll snap their fingers and, you know, they come up with that money, no problem. But, you know, you said $300,000 at schools like Long Beach State and other Big West programs, um, that's not lying around somewhere on campus, right? No, no. <laughs> so, and so that's, uh, you know, again, there's a, for every dollar, um, you know, we have to cut somewhere. You know, if, if revenues aren't increased, then we're, we're going to have to cut somewhere. So, you know, again, I always, and I've shared with you guys, you know, when we make cuts, we're not cutting fat, really. We, we don't have what I would call excess. We don't, you know, live in a world of, you know, charter flights. So when we cut, we're cutting into muscle. And we're just trying to figure out which muscle um, is, is less important than the others, I guess. Have you been talking to your coaches at all uh, already about this? I mean, I, I, I got a text from Eric Valenzuela. Dirtbag's first-year head coach about five minutes after the news broke. <laughs> he was ready to talk about it. Have you been talking to your coaches as well? Yeah, so I, I've, I haven't spoken with every single coach. Tomorrow we're going to have a Zoom call uh, with all the head coaches, but I've talked to probably most of them already, and it's 
going to be some weird conversations uh, in terms of, you know, because, you know, I, I don't think every single senior is going to come back. There's some that are going to probably be ready to move on and, and, and start their careers or whatever their next step will be. But um, there's going to be quite a few, I would imagine, that, that want to have that, that shot at their, their last year of eligibility. And that's where the question comes into play. You know, this legislation is what we call permissive. And usually uh, for the Power 5 schools, you know, they're just going to do it. But there could be some Power 5 schools, I guess, or others that, that may not do this. Maybe it's a Mountain West school or, or someone, uh, you know, in a different conference that, you know, depending on their financial situation. But what, what I would say is, going back to Mike's, you know, point about the haves and the have-nots, we don't have as a conference, and we've got a, a good conference, and it's very stable, and, and it's been around one of the longest, most stable leagues in the country, but we don't have the coffers that a Pac-12 does. And a lot of those Power 5 conferences, their, their conference offices do have reserves, substantial reserves, based around their multimedia rights, TV rights. Um, I was about to say that those TV deals are going to backfill a lot of these um, scholarship funds at the Power Five schools for sure. Correct. And so, you know, I'm not saying it's, you know, just super easy for them, but the likelihood of them having to sit there and go, well, do I cut into muscle is probably not a, a, a very realistic conversation for them. It's just, well, now we're going to drain some reserves. And, um, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but it does create a, a, a greater divide. And, you know, one, one, one thing I was thinking about, you, you mentioned Coach Valenzuela. Um, you know, if, if, we, if we can't figure out a financial solution here to, um, you know, and this is a complete hypothetical, but this goes back to um, what I think is the divide and potentially the greater divide. Um, let's say we are unable to bring back um, all our baseball seniors and we can only bring back one or something like that. Well, UCLA brings all their seniors back, and then we're playing them on Tuesday night, and it's 2-2 in the bottom of the ninth up at Jackie Robinson. And, you know, John Savage can look at his bench and go, well, I got four bats that are totally legit right here. I got, you know, I've, I've got my guys. Versus we may not have the luxury of the bigger bench because this legislation also will allow you to not have to count um, returning seniors against uh, the 35 cap in baseball. So in theory, if you had nine seniors at UCLA or, or here, you could count them and have, uh, you know, 44 players on your roster next year. So there's a lot of nuance to this discussion. And, you know, but for us, you, you know, I hate to say it, it really falls back into, into the financial picture. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, I think there's going to be a ripple effect over the next couple of years of what you just talked about. You know what I mean? Because at mid-major programs, not saying you guys necessarily, but some of those conversations are going to have to happen where if a scholarship agreement hasn't been signed with an incoming class yet and seniors want to come back and a coach is attached to those seniors, um, some of that money that was allocated to go to incoming you know, high school kids is possibly going to go towards retaining um, you know, players who are already within the program, which again, that's not a 2021 issue for spring. That's potentially into, you know, five years down the road um, to say nothing of some of the other, uh, the, some of the other ripple effects we could kind of see coming out of the decision. Um, what, uh, I mean, you mentioned it, you've got the athletic directors uh, and, you know, finance guys hat on about this. Have you guys started thinking about sort of a specific, targeted fundraising campaign you know like i'm i'm thinking 
there's probably a lot of Long Beach State fans out there who may be like going to the games but aren't donors. You know what I mean? But if they hear, they get a postcard that says, hey, we have a $200,000 whatever it is price tag on giving our seniors their last year that was cut short due to this. Um, you know, particularly we come out on the other end of whatever is going to happen economically here. I can see a lot of people being kind of motivated to, well, you know, I don't normally give $50 to the athletic department, but I really want to make sure that this player that I like, you know, gets to have his senior night or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think there are some creative ways um, that, that we can share those stories. Um, you know, again, this legislation would allow us to, um, let's say that JJ was a senior and he was on, you know, 50%, half of, half of a full ride in theory. Um, Congrats, JJ. Yeah, JJ, that's good money in baseball world. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we could, we could, we could give JJ 30% too. So, you know, obviously in a perfect world, you'd, you'd want to reaward whatever someone got. And, and I do think um, that we do have a, a story to tell. Um, you know, I, I want to make sure, though, and, and for those folks listening, it's not I don't want it to be perceived as whining because it's not whining. We've always done more with less here at Long Beach State. Um, but there does become a reality to what you can and can't do based upon finite resources. So what we need to do, um, to Mike's point, is we need to grow the pie. And that's the answer to, to hopefully allowing um, opportunities for student-athletes along these lines um, to have that, that, if it's a senior, that last shot, or I guess down the future, someone's going to have that, that final year of eligibility. The announcement that came from the Division One Council on Monday included basically the washing of a lot of rules and regulations like scholarship size, uh, five-year period, the roster size specifically for baseball that Andy was just mentioning. But they also mentioned financial aid and how the seniors who had exhausted eligibility and chosen to come back for next year would get financial aid, but the school would be beholden to the same amount that they got that student athlete the year before. It's also not applicable to transfers. So really- There's gonna be a lot of conversations happening coast to coast for sure, JJ. Yeah, you find yourself <laughs> a lot in a of situation tough conversations. where, Andy, are you, are you going to tell your coaches kind of your rules and regulations on who might get this eligibility back? Or maybe you ask somebody if they don't want to come back, like where where's the line from, like Mike said, the conversations between the coaches and the players, I mean, is it going to be a situation where a coach, not just at Long Beach State, but at any mid-major university, might have to sit down with a student-athlete and say, we'd love to have you back, but we just can't afford it? Yeah, definitely. And those are the hard conversations that I suspect will be coming up. I don't know how many there will be, but um, to be honest, yeah, I'm sure there, there will be. I uh, I would love to sit here and say we're going to come up with $300,000 and you know it's all good, but the reality is there may be some conversations around that. The, 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 the first part of where we'll begin my, my meeting, a um, little insider baseball here tomorrow with the head coaches is let's look at those folks that are on that list. Let's, let's, let's sit down and, and really have a conversation because there might be, you know, 10% of those seniors that, you know, they're not coming back for sure. Um, so hopefully that kind of peels back a little bit of the budget challenge there, but, um, I suspect across the country, um, and it could include us, that there's a conversation that says, hey, you know, I'm sorry, you know, we, we love you. You, you, you know, you're a huge member of our program, but we just don't have the money. Um, the unfortunate part is, one, if you go down that road, A, a student athlete might 
not be able to go to school, right? It might be a, just, hey, like I, I can't afford to, to just pay my own way to start my master's degree and, and, and have another year. Um, so that's going to be a, a situation where we'll have to have one-by-one -one conversations. I also saw in the release that they were talking about the SAF, the Student Athlete Opportunity Fund, and also the Special Assistance Fund that might be some help for some universities from the NCAA. I've never heard of those. The Student Athlete Opportunity Fund, what is that? So those are two funds that are, um, as they sound like, specifically geared to help student athletes. Um, there are many, many rules, as you both know and our listeners know, in the, uh, in the uh, manual for the NCAA. But they do allow some permissive things um, that we can pay for uh, for student athletes. Um, you know, it could be um, a situation where uh, maybe a student athlete um, loses a parent. Um, we could pay for their ticket to, uh, to fly home for, for the services, things of that nature. Um, this would then allow us to also use aid um, or th th those funds towards aid for seniors, which isn't in um, the legislation or isn't in those two funds now, but obviously they've approved that use. But those are two funds that have been around a long time, and most people don't know about it. They don't hear about it. They're not huge funds, um, you know, to give people a, a, a kind of a picture of how much we're talking. It, it varies a little bit, but um, you know, this—it's it, not enough to cover three hundred thousand dollars, and I, I, you know, probably not even enough to uh, cover maybe a, more than a handful if we put all of those resources from those funds. So we use those funds for a variety of reasons, but it is nice that they've allowed some flexibility, and I and I will give credit to the NCAA that um, you know they certainly are being flexible in a time where there's so many unknowns. And in some ways, you know, it's frustrating because it all comes down to us as an institution. But in some ways, too, it is it is nice as an institution to be able to make some decisions. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think um, the feel good aspect of this, we all sort of talked about last time. Right. I mean, even two weeks ago, as JJ mentioned, the last time we recorded, they'd already put out a statement signaling that they were going to do some kind of an eligibility relief. So I think most spring sport athletes, especially seniors, knew okay, I'm going to you know, be able to come back or, or whatever. Um, so I think that's if, if it sounds to people like we're running through the logistics, it's because the logistics are the new part of the announcement. <laughs> but yeah. taking that step back, I mean, it, it is great. You know, JJ and I, like, I wish we could do this for high school athletes. I mean, we cover so many high school kids who their senior season has just completely disappeared. And, you know, they're not going to get that back. It is great to know that, you know, for a lot of senior athletes across the country at Long Beach State and, and at other places, they, you know, they get a chance to do like I know Jacob Huey from the Dirtbags has been on. He's been all over Twitter about it. Just like that can't be we were playing so, like it was so <laughs> tough last year and we we're playing so great right now. We're number 12 in the country. That can't be the last time I'm playing college baseball. You know what I mean? Like I'm really I'm definitely really happy for stories like that which i think we'll probably you know on our website and i'm sure uh your people as well we'll be telling those stories over the next year really um but yeah it's uh it, I, i'm in a bigger way i guess than some of the logistical stuff i'm definitely just really happy for those uh for those athletes you know what i mean man man if huey comes back he'll be with the pro program for seven years i think he's common law yeah, and I and I think he also gets a doctorate with that as well. I'm not not entirely sure. I'm not an academic expert, but he's, he might be. He's gonna Dr. be a doctor Huey. of education. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
He's got that the, the the mustache is gonna be gray by the end of next season. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean that's a difficult one too. I mean, I know our players. You know, I think we talked about this. I mean, they're they're in shoot around when we're letting them know, sorry, it's over. Um, and that's that's a difficult one. Or as we say, Jason Smith. You know, he's in New Mexico for national championship for indoors, and um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And this is where it gets you get into this. You know, what I call the slippery slope. It's like where does it end? You know, um, you, you know because you it, can't fix it. You, you know, you can't like, you can't like, there's no way administratively or even, I mean, you'd have to literally be omnipotent to fix it. You know what I mean? To give everyone the experiences they lost, like it's an unprecedented global health crisis and a pandemic. So like part of you has to acknowledge stuff will be lost. You right. know what I mean? Like there's stuff I would love to be doing today that what those events won't ever happen, you know, stuff like that. Like. I, we don't all, the three of us aren't in a room together. We're never going to record, get to record this podcast <laughs> sitting across the table from each other. So part of you has to acknowledge that, but then you want to do as much as you can, right? Yeah. And, and it, you know, it boils down to me a little bit and, and, and maybe it's easy for me to say this because I'm not a senior. Uh, but, um, when you look at the basketballs, you know, I think about Jordan Griffin, you know, at least we were able to have senior night for him. Right. I mean, he didn't get to play in the final tournament and, and I'm not saying that's easy, but I do feel good that we got to honor Griff. Um, you know, his family was out there. We had him on court and, you know, at least, uh, you know, on the women's side, they got to experience that as well. And, you know, I'm kind of parsing the words here, but you know, you know, every scenario is a little different. And as you said, Mike, there's no, there's no way to just, cleanly fix this at some point somebody's going to be able to raise their hand and go well what about me well i i mean i you could even really this might sound ridiculous to some people but i'm thinking of you know imagine you're a you're a collegiate women's volleyball player and what you've always imagined your whole life is we're going to go to the ncaa tournament we're going to win some matches and then uh and then i can't wait to travel with our men's basketball team and you know, be a part of that student experience. Um, they don't get that experience, right? And they're not going to get a year back from that. And it wouldn't make sense to give it to them. To some extent, you have to recognize that some of that stuff is is just going to be erased permanently. But you also have to emotionally just really feel for those people because, as as the three of us know, if you're in college, if you're in high school, whatever it is, if you're a student athlete, like those are years you, those are special years. Like, and they are things that you dream about your whole life. And the three of us know they're things you remember your whole life too. You know what I mean? Some like some of which could never be addressed by the NCAA or whatever else. So you're talking about, you know, the kids that aren't going to get to go root for people at the college world series or the NCAA tournament for basketball or whatever it is. Um, and that's, I, I don't know, I, it, for me as a writer, I think those have kind of been the stories that I've been drawn to a little bit, you know, in this it, last couple of weeks as JJ and I try and figure out how to uh, write about sports that aren't happening. <laughs> yeah. But like we, we, we know really well what that weekend would have been like for Jason Smith because we've covered a lot of kids who've gotten to go to the indoor national championships for track and field. Right. And so that, that to me, the sort of 
phantom I'm thinking of them as phantom limb stories you know what I mean it's like there's the space clearly where this memory should have happened that you know it just didn't happen yeah and and that's 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 the tough one and you know uh, I think everybody wishes that there was a simple solution to this and we're gonna do our best we're gonna work through it um, we'll find a way but uh, you know these are these are trying times and you know I think this has also been a great learning experience for our student athletes um, that you know what you find is critical in your life and what's really important I think these experiences as you said are super important Mike I think people invest a lot of time into being a student athlete or a coach I mean these are um, you know it's not just 20 hours a week it's you know working out on your own working out during the summer pouring every blood sweat and tear into um, into an experience but I think it's also kind of help people understand and, and put things into perspective a little bit um, about what's really important um, your family um, your community uh, and yourself and uh, hopefully there is a way forward here that we can kind of accomplish both where um, you know we can we can help some of those seniors get that final year back and then at the same time uh, do it in a fiscally uh, responsible way we all know that when uh, universities and athletic departments raise funds you guys want people to donate just as a you know a wide swatch on the cover to the entire department give it give it to everybody right we now find ourselves in a situation where universities might be able to raise a little bit more money if it's a don't you want to help these kids come back and have their senior year do you think universities will be able to do that and as long as you stay interested in doing something like that where you're raising funds specifically for let's say a handful of seniors coming back for 2021 definitely and that was a, a big push and we, we we did a lot of changes within our fundraising um, unit um, over the last year and that was to raise money for scholarships first and foremost um, it's critical you know so for folks listening if they if, you know if they're thinking oh how can I help um, you know they can go to beachathleticfund.com um, or call uh, 985-4949 and, and get in touch with somebody but um, I do think there is an opportunity here and you know why I believe in fundraising for scholarships is you know you are changing someone's life um, for the better and I think we have powerful stories to tell. We have competitive teams uh, on, on the field of competition. We do a great job of graduating our student athletes. Uh, we are a dynamic campus. So I, I, I'd like to think that we will have an opportunity and people, I think, will, will, it'll resonate with them, I believe. There was also mention in the NCAA release about the conferences maybe having a little bit something to do with the way that the schools went about, you know, getting these kids back in the classroom and back on the field for the next spring season. If they said, quote unquote, encouraged conferences to get involved, how would the Big West help Long Beach State and vice versa? Well, you know, I think there, you know, one way specifically, I keep going back to, to, to dollars and funds, but um, is there a conversation maybe with uh, the Big West Conference to talk about what little reserve we do have? Could some of it be parceled out to um, each of the institutions in an equitable manner to say, hey, the Big West is going to, you know, uh, allocate X number of dollars to help, you know, bring back, you know, five student athletes per university. Um, so I think there are some things they can do financially, potentially. Again, it's tougher for us, but those are conversations we can certainly have. 
Um, and then, you know, the other one is just being an advocate as we move forward, because I don't think we're completely done with um, the ebb and flow of things necessarily. Um, I think as we've all learned over the last few weeks, right when you think you know something and something is certain, uh, one hour later, it's the complete opposite. So, you know, hopefully we're getting back to a more stable environment, but, um, you know, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen over the next uh, few weeks to a couple months. Yeah. Um, so to that point, my next question for you is actually kind of changing gears a little bit. Um, I went for a run around campus a couple of days ago and it was like, I don't, I don't think in my 35 years of living a mile from the campus has it ever <laughs> has it ever been that empty. What, what's it like coming to work every day and what are you doing and, and how surreal is the scene at a 35,000 student campus that's just completely empty? Yeah, it's it's very odd because there's slower times of the year, you know, in summer parking. I think everything always goes back to parking, right? You, you know, you never have to worry about parking during the summer or during one of the breaks. And but those are kind of fleeting, so to speak. They, you know, they don't last forever. And, um, you know, you're kind of used to it. You're programmed into it in your calendar. So I think the biggest thing is to be sitting here March 31st, which should be just absolutely bonkers right now. Right. And I'm sitting in a conference room. <laughs> Uh, with social distancing from 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 producer Roger, um, <laughs> but I think we're the only two people in this building right now. And uh, I think if you go across the campus, um, really they've moved um, to a, a work from home, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, model uh, with just essential folks on campus. So you know, a, a, a campus that could have thirty five thousand people on it is now maybe at best i'm guessing today maybe there's 50 people on campus i could be wrong but it's right. not very many what what is that process we talked on the last podcast about um what the process was going to be like for your uh you know academic support people and your students of making that transition from coming to school every day going to class every day to doing everything online um, you know, the public schools in Long Beach have had to make a big shift to doing that, which uh, which I know members of your family have been involved with. Um, but the assignments they're giving out aren't graded, right? Like your guys' professors are still trying to actually wrap a full semester. Um, what's that transition been like? Have you heard from student athletes? Have you heard from the people at the Baker staff about how that's going? Well, I think, um, you know, there's some really great things with distance learning. Um, and I think we're, we're learning those things. Um, that it, there's a flexibility to it and um, you know that can be a good thing but at the same time it can also be a challenge because if uh, you know we're sitting here and you're in Montana and I'm here on campus checking in with you necessarily mm -hmm. contacting you there's a time difference um, how do I check to make sure you're doing things um, that's one of the biggest concerns is that I keep reinforcing with our head coaches is you know just keep communicating to the students that you know, although they're not sitting in a, you know, a literal classroom, uh, they're in a virtual classroom and that requires them, quote, showing up, doing the homework, doing the assignments, turning them in, communicating with their professor, whether it's via Zoom calls or via email or whatever, uh, whether it's text message or it's you know something else. But, um, you know, I know I saw a story in the LA Times today that on the front page, and you know, it says 15,000 LA students AWOL for online learning. And we don't <laughs> yeah. have, we don't have that as, as much, you know, again, not everybody. 15 knows out of 70. 
15 yeah. out of 70,000, by the way, it's a fairly significant uh, percentage of kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we've, but we've talked about it at a more strategic level too. Um, the campus and, and not to venture off into a weird area, but you know, not everybody's going to automatically have Wi-Fi at their house. You know, there's some people that are just, they're not going to have Wi-Fi or uh, maybe it's not very good Wi-Fi. And, you know, now it's not so simple to just go, well, I'll just cruise over to Starbucks and sit down and do my homework. Um, you know, right, we've been exactly. talking about, you know, if the campus is closed, can students drive on the campus and sit in their car and do the work and get access to, to BeachNet? Um, you know, I, we, we've made sure and we've communicated with our student athletes that everyone's got access. And so, you know, but you know, we're, we're maybe we're the lucky ones, but it makes you think about the bigger picture going, Hey, you know, I didn't really think about that. I just take it for granted that I go home and log on and, you know, do what I need to do. So, um, you know, there are some challenges and that's making sure that people, um, can complete those assignments as necessary, because that's one thing I don't think that NCAA is going to, um, really wiggle, uh, away from is, you know, staying on progress towards degree and APR and all of those things. Uh, how about there at the fee household? How is working from home going for you, Andy? Having fun hanging out with the dog? Yeah, you know, Sparky's loving life. You know, he's uh, he's got his mom and dad around twenty four seven. It seems like, and uh, <laughs> man, I, I didn't realize what a great life he's got. But uh, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> I'm ready ready to swap, make a movie out of it, and swap uh, responsibilities. <laughs> but. Um, I, I've become, I, you know, at one point I always thought like, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty savvy when it comes to IT and I mean, yeah, I'm good and I've pretty much given up on it. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm pretty good with the Zoom call. I got the custom backgrounds going, um, <laughs> but it's it's been it's been it, it's actually been easier than I thought it would be. And uh, because I never really had done a lot of Zoom calls or kind of the that mode of, of communication necessarily. But it's actually been easier than uh, than I anticipated. It's it's been pretty easy. Everybody's been able to to get on. I think it's been a great way to connect. You know, even though you're not in the same room, I think just being able to see one another is important. And that is a challenge, I think, um, upon it. And that goes back to the previous question about distance learning. You know, I think there's some positives to it, but there's also challenges. And you know, when you have a culture and you want to keep people plugged in when you can't physically see somebody, it's not as easy. You know, you want to keep people focused on the goal and what we're working on. And um, there is something to being around one another. I mean, human beings are social creatures. And um, so I think what we've been trying to do is come up with, with you know, the Zoom call check-ins, whether it's through coaches or, you know, I'm sure our coaches are doing that with student athletes just to, just to get on, just to get on face-to-face, -face, um, you know, over the internet. And, uh, but, but, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Fee, we're doing okay. Glad to hear that. I know I, when I missed school, I hated it. Not because I was missing school, but because making up the work and the way back was always more difficult. I've, I've seen and talked to so many Long Beach athletes in the last two weeks who said, yeah, online classes are much more difficult than just going to school every day. Yeah. Yeah. Right, there's definitely, it, there, there is a, you do there all is the a work difference. when you show up to school, right? <laughs> <laughs> You got to be a real self-starter to sit at home and do math homework. You know what I mean? Like, and then teach yourself the lesson. Like, it's just, it's a very different animal for sure. For sure. <laughs> you you got to be a self-starter to entertain yourself at home as well. So, Andy, as we wrap up the show, it's a good time to do a recommendation for everybody stuck at home. 
what's something you've been doing at home to kind of take up the time? Well, this isn't a pleasant recommendation, but I think it's a good one. And I had help with this one, so I, I can't claim that it was uh, was me. It wasn't even me leading the charge. But uh, uh, Nicole, my wife, and uh, my mom, Nancy, we, we, we reorganized all of our storage. So pulling things out of closets and, you know, the stuff that you just – how did that end up there? Uh, so I feel like we're actually pretty organized right now. Now, the real key is how long can we keep that in full effect? But I would recommend it because it was nice to get rid of a bunch of things that, that we don't need. And uh, to be able to actually know what you have, that's always a nice thing. You did it too early. You, no, you did, you did it too early, Andy. You, you, <laughs> you, you, you jumped the gun. That's like a week four or five of quarantine move. <laughs> I know, right? My, my wife and I redid the garage in order to have a second place to hang out. Now we just go down and stand in the garage for like 30 minutes every day just for a second location. That's, that's so funny. Other than finding a shirt to match your shirt, apparently, that's that's basically what Char and I have done, too. Like, we redid our backyard and, like, patio area. area and uh, when that government check comes in, I'm buying a nice big fire pit, too. That's <laughs> 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 a nice seating. Because it's like, if we're going to be here for the duration, you know, potentially for a very long time, obviously, like, let me make sure that there's different places to sit, you know? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you got two young ones, and they tear the you know what they um the first two weeks they were just like kind of kind of like andy's dog to be honest with you they were just like like vincent thinks it's the best thing that's ever happened he was like i just get to play basketball with my dad all day like this is the <laughs> this is the best so but this week is the week where he was like I really miss my teacher, you know, like I really miss my friends. It's like, yeah, man. And boy, you want to, Andy, you want to talk about the human element. It's, it's one thing for the three of us to get on a Skype call. You talk about a six year old first grader doing a zoom call with two of his friends. I mean, they're just staring at each other like, huh? <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, for sure. So they're, they're doing good. We're all good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that everyone uh, on all ends of the call is healthy and uh, and safe. And obviously, we encourage everyone to keep doing that. We're going to do everything we can at the 562.org to uh, bring some more just kind of fun, entertaining stuff. I did want to give a shout out to uh, a, a good friend of mine, a good friend of me and JJ's, Trayvon Free, a Long Beach State basketball alum uh, who's gone on to win uh, several Emmy Awards for comedy writing. Uh, Trayvon started the movement on Twitter to to bully ESPN into releasing the Michael Jordan documentary two months early. And uh, today they officially announced April 19th, uh, we're getting The the Last Dance, a 10-hour documentary on Michael Jordan's last season with the Bulls, which I am, JJ and I were like 14 when that happened. I'm very excited for that. And so shout out to Trayvon, a great Long Beach State alum doing his part. <laughs> yeah, Tray Trayvon, if you Comedy Central in the last 10 years, you probably laughed at a Trayvon Free joke. So right. Long, Beach State, Long Beach State basically everywhere. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that about it? Usually we're able to uh, wrap this thing up with the recommendation. So I, I, think that, I think that's about it. Andy, are you headed back home now? Uh, now that we've recorded the show uh i'm gonna check on a few things here and then i'm actually gonna as i said i'm gonna zoom call with our men's volleyball team and the coaches and just kind of say hello to the guys tell them that i miss them and that uh you know we're uh we're gonna make it through this and it's not easy but that's the kind of thing that uh, at the end of the day what um you know you ask my perspective on a lot of these questions and, and issues that have come up is 
And I think in a larger picture is we're, we're going to get through this. It's going to be trying. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. But um, together, we'll, we'll get through it. I have no doubt about that. Absolutely. We miss coming in there and seeing you guys, too. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it again soon. But we will be bringing you another episode of the LBV Show in two weeks. And I have a feeling there's going to be more news to recap. So for Andy, for producer Roger, for Mike, and for JJ, for everybody who helps get this show on, everything, everybody that helps get the 562.org up, and everybody out there listening, stay happy, stay healthy. We will talk to you soon, Long Beach. Take care.